Johnny Cage, Kenobu, Kang, Raiden, Scorpion, Sonya, Blade, Sub-Zero, Goro, Shang, Zora, Tabaraka, J-Jack, Kintaro, Kitana, Kung Lao, Merlini, Nanook, Sebat, Stout, Shao Kahn, Fung, Chameleon, Cyrax, Earth, Macabre, Motaro, Nightwolf, Insector, Sheep, The Sindel, Striker, Fu, Jin, Quanshi, Shinnok, Sabrina, Jerick, Kaimi, Reiko, Tanya, Tremor, Blade, Doraicho, Dramin, Fosu's now, Dan, Kenshi, Lee, Mavado, Mocap, Moloch, Katara, Ashra, Dairo, Darius, Havoc, Hotaru, Kira, Cobra, Onaga, Shijinko, Tegante, Vondavora, Cassie, Cage, Aaron, Black, Ferrator, Jackie, Briggs, Kotokan, Kongjin, Takeda, Tribe, Dwarf, Cetrion, Scarlet, Gareth, Collector, Kronika, Welcome to Mortal Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Meckler, and this is the show where I walk my friends through the entirety of Mortal Kombat lore from the perspective of a single character today. Very special guest for you all. You know him from Mad Men, from Glow. My personal favorite. Hello, my name is Doris. It might just be my name is Doris. I remember nope. his little name is. Anyway, Rich Summer. Hi. How you doing, Rich? I'm well. It is hello, my name is Doris. Great. Then I yes. nailed it. You, you totally nailed it. Yeah. I almost said, hello, it's nice to meet you. My name is Doris. I wasn't sure if that was the title. Uh, that is not the title. I said the right sequence of words that, that are yes. the actual title. Um, Rich, thanks so much for being on the show today. As you said earlier, you have absolutely no idea uh, what you're getting into. That's right. I played a version of Mortal Kombat on N64. Mortal Kombat 4, probably, which is good because the character we're talking about today is from that game. Great. <laughs> and uh, I uh, downloaded, I was given the download code for, for the most recent one on Nintendo Switch. Is that 11? Yes. Uh, and so I downloaded it uh, and have yet to play it. So that's, am... that's, that's my full uh, ownership of Mortal Kombat. Okay. I am fully confident that after this podcast, you're going to immediately boot up MK11. Great, great. That's my I'm goal. In. That's my goal for today is that you're going to leave this podcast a podcast head. And you have not listened to Mortal Podcast yet, correct? No, I haven't. Uh, I asked you Fantastic. if I should, and you yes. told me not to. I did, yeah. Yeah, I figure blind as you can get in here is, is going to be the most fun. So that's good. That's good to know. Uh, a question about the N64 uh, Mortal Kombat game you played. Um, was it a fighting game or was it like a side scroller action adventure kind of thing? No, it was I, a fighting I'm thinking game. Thinking about it, okay. So it was like two 3D characters like punching and kicking each other. Yes, it felt. I mean, I had seen people play it at the arcade, and it right. seemed like that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, because there was also um, so the N64 game that you definitely I would say now played was Mortal Kombat Four. It was the first 3D Mortal Kombat game, and when it came out. It was released kind of alongside um, a side-scrolling action-adventure game called Mortal Kombat Mythologies colon Sub-Zero um, because there were plans to kind of break out all of these different characters and give them their own solo games that would be sort of different genres and delve into Because story was like a big part of Mortal Kombat, despite the fact that most people just know it for blood and guts. And I will say ahead of time, I hope you're not squeamish because as I was going through today's character, uh, it isn't unbelievably graphically violent story that we have today which perfect 
shockingly is kind of unusual for the way that I tell these, because um, usually the violence is kind of just like the the sprinkles on the Sunday of uh, a, a rich narrative. Um, but today, there's it's kind of like uh, also a scoop of ice cream among in, in the Sunday. Um, but yeah, so so they had released this like spinoff game that is notoriously awful. <laughs> but this is the Sub Zero game. This is a Sub Zero game. Um, but there was such a commitment to the, the, the world of Mortal Kombat at this point and the lore and the storytelling, even though at this point there had only been three Mortal Kombat games and all of them were like 2D fighting games where all of the storytelling was through like the attract mode the arcade cabinet would go into with like just a page of text. Um, people were just really, really into it. I mean, there were probably like some comic books at the time and I think the first movie had come out, maybe even the second movie, both of which are not necessarily like canon mm-hmm. um <laughs> all that to say uh rich the story of mortal Kombat is is special and and sacred and and the creators have known that from the very beginning and so while today we're talking about a character who made his first appearance in mortal Kombat 4 um and only appeared in one other game in which literally every character who'd ever been introduced in mortal Kombat appeared so it wasn't really because he was singled out um there's a there's a whole episode's worth of story here. The guy's guy's been through a lot, and uh, and he's he's got a lot to say. Um, but before we before we get started, can I ask yes, you? Uh, you can. How, how how where where are you? Obviously, you have a deep love for this game and for the lore of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, I I I too could you know, I have some deep knowledge on some esoteric subjects, but I'm curious, where do you? begin to dig in in your research for right. say a character who only appears in one game how accessible is the lore for a character that and i know he appeared in the royal rumble uh game as well sure. where everybody showed up but <laughs> but when generally he was only in one game what where do you even begin to to dig up the the deep intel on this guy so my process is that first i write down everything i remember then uh i will google history of and the character that i'm covering i'll read usually the i'll, I'll say a uh, shout out to the website called fandom they're usually pretty on top of things it's kind of like wikipedia for lore so uh i'll usually read through the page for that character to see how thoroughly uh how, how thorough i guess like information on this character has come across to anybody and how it's been collected and we'll say usually like with a character like uh reiko who we're talking about today um, it, there's the information that was in the games he was included in. There's the uh, little cameos and Easter eggs that he appeared in throughout the series. And then there's um, tie-in material that was considered canon. So comic books. Um, eh, it's pretty much just comic books, I guess, these days. I think anything else has been kind of weeded out of like continuity or lore. Obviously, the movies are kind of more an adaptation of the lore and... Um, there have been some completely insane novels that I've discussed with the uh, Patreon subscribers, but uh-huh. I think I think mostly Reiko's story today is going to come from cameos he's made, little hints that have been dropped in other characters, like endings in other games, um, and he had a very major role in one of the comic runs, uh, okay. which was so written by Sean you- Kittleson, who's been a guest on the show before. That gave you some background, and then and some of this, some of these connections are inferences that you have to draw. 
Yes. Yeah. Generally, by, by my job the cameos. And yeah, everything. as a storyteller, is to kind of look at these bits and pieces of information that were written by like dozens of different writers, and a lot of the times in the name of fan service, and then find kind of uh, what's the core trait of this character, and how can I tell this story in a way that is coherent and has somewhat of an arc to it so it doesn't just seem like a lot of random things that happened because they were like we have to have someone do something what if it's reiko people like that guy <laughs> let me add one tangential question uh yep. and then i'll let you I'll, I'll i'll let you host the show um are, are you <laughs> super good at mortal Kombat? oh i'm terrible at mortal Kombat. beautiful that's yeah. all i wanted to i just really like the story <laughs> okay good good <laughs> yeah the, the gist for me is that when I was a kid, I'd go to the arcade because it was the 90s and that was the thing and it was cool. Or I'd go to a place like Galaxy Skateway or Don Carter's Bowling Alley and there'd be an arcade and that's where I would hang out because I was not an athletic child. And uh, I didn't have like a ton of money to play a lot. Of, I could pretty much play like four games and then I was cashed for the day. So I'd kind of just like stand in front of the Mortal Kombat arcade cabinet because I was like, this is a cool world. I want to read all the character pages and learn about this stuff. And uh, into my adulthood as a, as a professional uh, writer, an adult man who's soon to be a father, I've just continued to be equally obsessed with Mortal Kombat. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. And then one day as a bit, I said on Twitter, Would it, wouldn't it be funny if I did a podcast where I forced people to talk about Mortal Kombat with me for hours at a time? And uh, enough people actually wanted that to happen that I just decided to do it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm yeah. glad to be here to talk about Mortal Kombat with you. I'm glad to hear it because you're going to have to do that for probably like another hour. Uh, <laughs> Great. <laughs> but before we really dig in, uh, every season of Mortal Podcast has a bit of a prompt I like to throw at my guests. And usually that prompt revolves around um, a theme that ties the characters of that season together. This is the fourth season of Mortal Kombat. We're cover sorry, Mortal Podcast. We're covering the characters introduced in Mortal Kombat 4. And looking at those characters, the... The thing that kind of really tied them all together is the theme of betrayal. You know, some of them are betrayers. Some of them have been betrayed. Betrayal plays a large part in uh, in everyone's story. So I ask you, Rich, is there a time in your life that you've been betrayed? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, I'm, sh I'm sure. Uh, luckily, nothing is leaping to mind. Mm -hmm. Uh as far I'll also as accept a, a time that you have been a betrayer, if that's a story you'd prefer to tell. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I was uh, in seventh grade. I'll, I'll count this. Always in seventh goes back grade. to seventh grade every time. Uh, oh, everything. My daughter's <laughs> going into seventh grade, and every time I lie to her and say, it's going to be fine. It's just like every other grade. I feel <laughs> sick with the knowledge that it is going to be the worst year of her life. Mm -hmm. Um. I uh, uh, one of my best friends in seventh grade was this guy, Paul, and um, Paul and I were in English class together. And another person in our English class with he was Heather. And I was madly in love with Heather. And, and I had been uh, open with her about that. Uh, <laughs> she had bangs for inches and was just, uh, 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 you know, I, I was I think I'm just a little bit older than you, but I was uh, also a child in the 90s. But earlier on the on the early side of the night sure. so this is just post 80s bangs like beautiful uh bangs <laughs> and uh, anyway i i had told her i was in love with her i knew i was i was a total nerd no uh, social capital whatsoever i knew it was a risk but i just wanted to tell her and we would talk on the phone sometimes and then paul and heather started kind of being friends and mm. um while i don't think it ever became romantic i do know that they became a team of some sort 
uh, because one day I came into English class and there were uh, two notes on my desk, one from Heather, one from Paul. Um, I remember almost verbatim the opening of the letter from Paul. It was, hey, Rich, how are you? Weird opening, again, for a guy who yeah. is ostensibly one of my best friends at this moment. And, and, and a who, seventh grader. Uh, exactly, a seventh <laughs> grader. And again, who who literally probably the night before I was on the phone with talking about like what we were going to do at the public access channel the next time we went and uh, uh, got on the airwaves. But he, um, it says, hey, Rich, how are you? I'm okay. Well, anyway, I think you're kind of a dork. And I mm. do remember that the your was Y-O-U-R, no apostrophe mm. R-E, uh, an auspicious uh, misspelling for yeah. a note I received in English class. But uh, anyway, he said, I think you're kind of a dork, and I don't want to be friends with you anymore. The note from Heather was of a similar tenor. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just crestfallen. Paul almost to my knowledge, never spoke to me again. I don't, I, I, from that point on, my memory of Paul becomes almost white noise. The weird Holy thing shit. is with Heather, the, the weird thing is that with Heather, who was very popular, we continued our almost nightly phone calls in which I was instructed not to speak to her at school, um, to just, uh, not to tell anyone that we talked on the phone because she would tell them that I was a liar. And uh, so I didn't. Uh, and, and we maintained this through most of seventh grade. And then it all fell away. And then fast wow. forward to when we were in 12th grade, uh, after kind of looking at her askance uh, for the rest of my time. And, and I, I was never popular, but I built some social capital in 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. And uh, she asked one day in 12th grade if she could come over to my house. And I said, uh, sure. Um, and she came to my house and apologized, and uh, I did not accept her apology. That's uh, a time I was betrayed, Ben. <laughs> wow, damn, that's a good betrayal story. And I, I will say, uh, oddly similar to many betrayal stories we've now heard on the show. Asking this prompt, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I guess the the lesson we're learning here is that middle school uh, wounds run deep, especially when they have to do with the opposite sex and yeah. our friends and frenemies. Yeah, 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 that's a good uh, that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Paul sounds like a real piece of shit. Um, <laughs> he was. Yeah, he, and he was. He sounds a bit like a he was he was a social climber. Is is the impression oh, yeah. I'm getting? Um, oh, yeah. Which, ironically enough, is is Reiko's story as well. <laughs> Ooh, segue. It's a perfect segue. Uh, talk about uh, a man who spent his entire life reaching for power, and not unlike Paul. Uh, making a complete ass of himself every at every turn. <laughs> oh, Paul. Uh, I hope Paul's one of my listeners. Uh, I hope so, too. <laughs> very much. <laughs> uh, Paul, if you're out there, I'm not sorry. So, <laughs> so um, just to give you a brief overview of, of the Mortal Kombat uh, mythology at large so you can kind of understand Reiko's place in it... Um, Rewinding quickly back to uh, the dawn of time, um, <laughs> there was just a quick this, rewind. Just a quick rewind to the dawn of time. There was uh, the one being a form of God, a celestial uh, creature who had the power to create, and there was nothingness. The one being was like, I want to make some stuff, so I'm going to make a pantheon of elder gods, and they will help me create reality. And so. One being creates the elder gods. The elder gods are supposed to be making like time, space, uh, and then start to make like life. But instead, the elder gods are like, all right, well, fuck 
this guy. We don't want to have a boss. We're the people who are making stuff. Why does this guy get to tell us what to do? So they make uh, these weapons called the Kamidogu Daggers, uh, which you'll hear about a lot today. Um, and they use the Kamidogu Daggers to hack the one being up into a million pieces. And those pieces become the realms, um, which in more common parlance are just dimensions. So, so this is a universe born of violence. Yes. As you may have imagined before even coming <laughs> to the podcast today. <laughs> that was maybe the one thing I had guessed yeah. about Mortal Kombat. <laughs> so we have all these dimensions, right? You know, there's Earth Realm, um, which is everything we know of. There's uh, this realm called Outworld. It's very like Mad Max meets Conan the Barbarian meets Lord of the Rings kind of place. There's Edenia, which is a very idyllic and beautiful realm of like hot wizards. There's um, pretty much any fantasy trope you can imagine. There's a realm for it. There's a vampire realm. There's a dinosaur people realm that ironically only exists because all the dinosaur people used to live in Earth realm. And there was like a big civil war among the gods. So they all left to make their own realm. And then humans started to <laughs> spring up here. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, there are these many, many realms. But over time, the elder gods realized that inevitably as life developed on these realms, um, someone would have it in their minds that they wanted to be a conqueror, would discover the fact that there were other realms, would try to conquer the other realms and merge them. Because that's something you could do. You could rip the, you know, bearings between dimensions and overtake the other. Um, now, the elder gods knew that if this ever got out of hand, the one being would be reformed. In a sense, all of these people, all these conquerors, uh, are really just being influenced by the one being, which we are all ostensibly a part of, because the one okay, being so wants wait, to me, be whole I, again. I want to just get clarity on this to make yeah, sure I understand. So these million dimensions that the 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 elder, no, the ultimate, what's he called? The big one? Elder, elder gods? Oh, the one being. Yeah, the one being. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the mm -hmm. one being was chopped up by the daggers. Yeah. Became all these, uh, ended up becoming all the dimensions. Yes. And now is trying to sort of Voltron himself back together by getting, like, uh, by, by by secretly, uh, unknowing to, uh, unbeknownst to us, uh, get us to to reconvene all of these dimensions, right? So that he can be whole again and uh, probably uh, wreak havoc. Yeah. Well, I don't even know about wreak havoc. I think just be whole again. I don't know that the oh. one being. You know, he's just, uh, the one being's just a being, so it's like... No agenda. Wreak havoc just on what? Yeah, because even yeah. we are part of the one being. So if the one being was reassembled, we would just be part of, like, God again, is, okay. is, is the lore, basically. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a heady concept, but... <laughs> But I'll also say, like, that's entirely intangible. You never see the one being in the games. Um, you never speak to the one being in the games. That's just kind of like the backstory. <laughs> sure. And the reason it's important is it's the reason the Mortal Kombat fighting tournament exists. Um, so, <laughs> so the... Okay, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm taking a lot of information in, Ben. It's, it's all good. Yeah, no, it's okay. I see your, your nose is bleeding. It's uh, <laughs> If you need a minute, let me know. If you need a glass of water uh -huh. or something, it's fine. So <laughs> the, uh, the elder gods saw that there was a possibility for the one being to reassemble himself if all these realms merged. So they needed a safeguard. They needed a way to discourage people from conquering other realms. Um, and their easy solution was to institute a fighting tournament 
um, so that if, let's say, Outworld wanted to conquer Earthrealm, they would have to beat Earthrealm in 10 fighting tournaments in a row. And they called that the Mortal Kombat Tournament. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in addition to making that tournament, um, the Elder Gods created uh, sub-gods. They were just called gods in Mortal Kombat and kind of gave one to each realm to basically be the, like, uh, coach for that realm who would assemble that realm's chosen warriors should a tournament ever be necessary. So Earthrealm has Raiden, who you might have seen before. You might recognize. He's the lightning guy with the hat. Um, yeah. Yeah, played yeah, by Christoph sort of, Lambert. He's sort of one of, the, one of the main faces of the game, as I recall. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so that's the god protecting Earthrealm. Um, and uh, I think that's all you really need to know to understand Reiko's story. That should be do enough. You, do, you, do you give this entire background on every episode of the podcast? You know, it wasn't always that way, Rich, but lately, yes. <laughs> I love telling this part, and uh, I just feel like it's context that just adds a lot to the character's story. Oh, I mean, it's necessary for me. I'm just wondering if yeah. it's if it's something that your listeners get to hear every every week. I imagine for the audience, it's like the first 15 minutes of any episode of WTF, where you kind of right. just skip through it, and you're like, "Oh, is he done? Is he done yeah. talking about his uh-huh. cats in the garage? Uh-huh. Oh, is he done talking about? Can we? Can I listen to, to Barack okay. Obama now? Okay, so they yeah. got through the part with the Mortal Kombat tournament, so now they should be getting into the story. Okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I've made peace with that. Good, good. Yeah. I also think, you know, look, podcasts are listened to in the background. It's fine. That's right. You're it's doing a passive entertainment anyway. This you guys is are busy. Yeah. I mean, probably not like driving to work like used to be the case. I hope not. I hope you're not being forced to go into work right now during a pandemic. Um, and if you are, I will write a letter to your workplace. Just Deeming you non-essential. Yes. I'll say this is one of the least essential people I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that could be a benefit for your Patreon subscribers. You could get yeah. a letter from Ben Meckler saying, I am non-essential. Saying you're useless. <laughs> Listen, if you guys want that, I'll just do it. You don't have to pay me any money. It's fine. <laughs> I'll do it. It's fun. Um, it'll be a form letter, but I'll, I'll put your name in there, obviously. That's right. Uh, all right. Let, let's talk about Reiko. So Reiko makes his first appearance in Mortal Kombat 4. I will also say he was my favorite character in that game. I thought he looked really cool. If you actually look at a picture of Reiko, that's very funny because he kind of just looks like uh, Mr. Brady from the Brady Bunch, but like with spawn eyes and like white on his temples. Um, And he's wearing a vest, but no shirt. And uh, he looks like a douchebag. But when I was like, I don't know, eight, nine, 10, whenever, however old I was when this game came out, I was like, now that guy is cool. (laughs) I'm a Mike Brady looking motherfucker. So, um, <laughs> it was the vest with no shirt. It was, yeah. I was like, you could see his abs, but he's wearing a vest. I wish I looked like that. I wear a vest, but I wear a t shirt under it, and I look like Doug Funny. And everyone at school laughs, but I do it anyway. Um, I guess I was more fifth grade, but eh, it's around at the same time. So, uh, <laughs> So Reiko is from the realm of Outworld. I mentioned earlier, Outworld, uh, harsh, dystopian place. But it wasn't always that way. When when Reiko is born, when he grows up in Outworld, Outworld is a kind of lush and um, interesting place. There are there are beasts, but there are also jungles. There's purple deserts. The skies are colorful. It's it's kind of like our world, but a little more, um, 
a little more violent, a little more scary, there's a little more magic to it. And thus, people who look humanoid, like Reiko, he kind of just looks like a dude, they live for like thousands of years. That's just the lifespan of a person in Outworld. So he lives in Outworld. Uh, he's grown up there. And the system that he grows up under, there is uh, the Emperor Onaga, who is a powerful necromancer and is kind of in charge of Outworld, um, rules with an iron fist, has an unkillable army. He is a literal dragon man. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then there's the god in charge of protecting Outworld, this guy named Shao Kahn. Um, Shao Kahn uh, eventually decides that... You know what? We'll pause, we'll pause on the Shao Kahn of it all, because there's another kind of big event that happens for Reiko before, before this Shao Kahn thing goes down. So... 10,000 years ago, um, there was a civil war that erupted among the Elder Gods. Sure. There was this guy named Shinnok, and Shinnok um, is basically the Lucifer of the Mortal Kombat franchise. He decided he would rather rule the people of the realms than uh, oversee and protect them like the Elder Gods were kind of doing. He wanted to like go down to ground level and like have fun you know, torturing people and, I don't know, doing other bad guy stuff. <laughs> It's kind of vague. It's never really clear what he wants. Uh, so the other gods fight Shinnok. They go to war with him. And lots of people participate in this war. And it will kind of come up later. But Reiko decides to enlist in the Shinnok side of things. Because he sees that Shinnok is an elder god. He's really powerful. Um, he kind of says to himself, like, this guy's probably going to win this war. I will enlist and serve him instead so that I can pr- protect myself. So he's like the Republicans. Pretty uh, much say i guess he's gonna win so i have to sell my soul i'll commit myself to uh destroying the lives of millions of people that's right uh out of fear great just wanted to get the context yes 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 Mm -hmm. yeah so (laughs) so that's reiko he participates in this war and uh of course shinnok loses and is banished to this place called the nether realm for all time the nether realm is uh like if hell was a dimension. So it's just like, yeah, people grow up there. They just live there. They work. They're demons, sure. But it's just like a place. It's not the afterlife. So uh, Shinnok's in the nether realm. Reiko returns to Outworld. And uh, when he gets there, um, he kind of finds out that Shao Kahn has intentions of no longer serving just as the god protecting Outworld, but of ruling Outworld. I don't know if this sounds familiar to you, but it's very similar to Shinnok. <laughs> So Shao Kahn is like, I would rather be a god emperor than just like a god vanilla style. So Reiko uh, helps Shao Kahn overthrow Onaga uh, and take the throne. And he becomes a general in Shao Kahn's army now that Shao Kahn is the god emperor of Outworld. So he just chooses whatever side is like looking to take down the man, become the man themselves. Yes. Yeah, he just, he, he he's just a big allies. fan of regimes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Okay. And in cool. classic fashion, choose it, like when he has his choice of like, what job would you like in this new world order? He says, general, please. Um, cool. Yeah, Reiko, Reiko sucks. <laughs> uh, so he helps Shao Kahn take the throne. And, Shao, and he's like, well, what next? And Shao Kahn says, well, we're going to start conquering realms and merging them with Outworld. And Reiko says, cool, man, I'm in. I'll be your general. I'll march into these realms, and I will uh, destroy cultures and peoples and force them to merge with Outworld. And uh, 
in doing so, Shotgun's pretty much just like sapping energy from everywhere, and Outworld becomes like a climate changed dystopian wasteland. It's no longer like a beautiful, lush land. This is when it becomes Mad Max like. Yeah. This is when it becomes uh-huh. Earth 2020. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wee. Uh huh. <laughs> um, and your, your daughter's coming soon. She is, yes. Month and a half. Uh huh. <laughs> Great. Uh, things will be fine by then. So I think so. I think by September everything's going to be kind of like figured out. Yeah, I think so too. We're Part on that trajectory. Gonna be gone. Yeah, climate's going to stop changing so much. Yep, yep, yep. It's going to be yeah. great. Um, it's cool. I'm going to get her some some badass like baby armor, and we'll just ride the uh, road to Valhalla. It'll be fine. Yep. <laughs> Witness us. Um, <laughs> so. So Reiko, for many, many years, helps Shao Kahn conquer realms across uh, Mortal Kombat tournaments. Reiko does not traditionally participate in these fighting tournaments. He's more the guy who, after Shao Kahn um, and his uh, chosen warriors win a tournament, Reiko's the guy who then marches into the realm and is like, all right, motherfuckers, who wants to try to stop us from merging your realm? (laughs) Uh, He's a bootlicker supreme. Uh (laughs) Yeah. So um, one realm in particular that was a really violent and hostile takeover that Reiko helped accomplish was the realm of Edenia, the realm of the hot wizards. Um, they took that realm and Shao Kahn specifically like killed their king, tried to marry their daughter, or sorry, tried to marry uh, the king's wife. She killed herself and then he kidnapped the daughter who was just a baby and raised her as his own to be her body, his, his uh, bodyguard. <laughs> And like personal assassin. So that's the kind cool. of conqueror Shao Kahn was yeah. and what Reiko was like enabling. And fully um, on board with. Thumbs up, yeah. says Reiko. He was like, I'm loving it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the kind of crew that Reiko's like hanging with at this point is, is the Shao Kahn inner circle, which consisted of like a shape shifting, soul eating sorcerer named Shang Tsung. Uh, a half dragon, four armed, uh, like beast of a man named Goro, um, Kitana, which was the baby that had been kidnapped and has now been raised as like a mindless, like killing machine assassin, slash daughter to Shao Kahn, and uh, a secret clone of Kitana named Melina that Shao Kahn had made in case Kitana ever found out about her parentage and turned on him. And just cloning Katana wasn't enough. Shao Kahn was like, oh, and like blend her with the blood of the like savage warrior race that lives in the wastelands of Outworld. So she's like, she looks just like Katana, but she has like a giant mouth full of fangs um, and is a a sociopath. Um, She will come up again later. So just remember Melina, the the broken clone of Katana. Uh, and like a ghost ninja named Ermac was hanging out too, but that was like the the, the crew that Reiko was like chilling with at this point. And he so enjoyed having power and dominance over other people that, of course, eventually it wasn't enough for him just to serve. He started to lust after Shao Kahn's power, oh, and this yeah. is this is canon. He'd even sneak into Shao Kahn's chamber in the middle of the night and try on his helmet. <laughs> Wait. Okay. So, just just for a, a one moment of pause. Yeah. You mentioned this is canon. So, mm-hmm. where does that? Where in the canon was that moment uh, mentioned? Is that it a is, comic book thing, or is that in, on? It's the, in the games. The, <laughs> that's in the games. 
Yeah, it's Reiko's uh, Mortal Kombat 4 arcade ladder ending. So, like, the way that canon in Mortal Kombat works is, like, these days there are story modes. Like, if you play Mortal Kombat 11, there is a, like, 20-hour-long story mode of, like, cutscenes and, like, you're switching perspective of who you're fighting as based on the story progressing. And it's, like, the production quality of, like, a Marvel movie. Like, it feels okay. like you're playing through an epic, like, action-adventure that's, like, a latent franchise piece of storytelling. Um but at the beginning of the games, obviously, all you really had to do was fight through like an arcade ladder, like any fighting game. You'd pick your character and you'd fight 10 people in a row. And then it would say like, and here's what would happen if this character won the premise of the story for this game. Ah. So like Mortal Kombat 1, it was like, here's what would happen if like Sub-Zero won the Mortal Kombat tournament. Mortal Kombat 4, I f uh, it was a little hazier, like what the endings were going to be. But um, for Reiko, it, it was specifically like Reiko won the invasion and he went into Shao Kahn's throne room and like someone lowered Shao Kahn's helmet onto his head. And then later on in a later game, they clarified that this was something he just used to do all the time. When he served Shao Kahn, he just wanted to wear Shao Kahn's helmet and be daddy for a day, I guess. <laughs> so this wasn't ceremonial. It was playing dress up. It was like mm -hmm. uh, just going in and, and taking it for a spin. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, so he's not just an asshole, he's also a loser. Um, yeah, that's the takeaway. Very sad. Very <laughs> yeah. sad fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> Rico's lusting after Shao Kahn's power. They're conquering realms. They are unstoppable, undefeated, until they decide they want to conquer Earthrealm. And that's sort of the premise of the first Mortal Kombat video game and, like, the whole franchise, really, is that Outworld tries to conquer Earthrealm. They fail miserably. And Shao Kahn is defeated and uh, sent back to Outworld so critically injured that he goes into hiding and is presumed dead. Mm. So Reiko is like rudderless. He's like, huh, I want power. There's not really power to attain. Outworld just lost a huge battle. This is like I don't have any boots Germany. To yeah. <laughs> um, I've been licking boots I find discarded in the middle of the desert. It's not the same. That's right. Um, He's, he's still out there with that helmet, so I can't keep it. Uh, and that's around the time that Shinnok returned. He escaped from the Nether Realm with the help of a sorcerer named Quan Chi, um, who was kind of like Shinnok's new Reiko. He didn't need Reiko anymore. He had this other guy helping him like in his conquering plans. And Shinnok oh came back and was like, it's time for me to do what I was trying to do before conquer all the realms the only thing anyone has to do <laughs> <laughs> and so uh reiko enlists in serving shinnok once more because shinnok shows up from the nether realm and immediately conquers um Edenia, which had just been liberated from outworld after shao khan's defeat which isn't really that big uh, an accomplishment i think it's literally like oh we just recovered from thousands of years of being conquered uh, and colonized by these warriors um and they're like no, no no we defeated you we're strong as well um starving people who have been in cages for years yeah we'll show you yeah so uh regardless reiko just decides like Sh shinnok's gonna be hard to beat right now i i really shouldn't try to jockey for power i'm just gonna serve him so he serves shinnok but um immediately just like is kind of jockeying for power with quan chi um and is sort of taking like more of a background role in the new world order for shinnok and he's not loving it thankfully shinnok failed <laughs> in his invasion 
Um, leaving Reiko once again to decide, okay, so like now Shinnok's off the table and Shakan's off the table. Like maybe this is Reiko's time to shine. But before he can really strike or do anything, Quan Chi decides, finally, Shinnok is gone. Now's my time to strike. <laughs> I love that anything Reiko ever does is driven by someone else doing something. Yeah. He can only act in response. He doesn't yeah. seem to have much autonomy. He doesn't really go for the gold himself, with mm -hmm. the exception of choosing to try on that helmet once in a while. Mm -hmm. uh, other than that, it's really all about uh, uh, jumping on some coattails. Yes. Yeah. So he's not just an asshole. He's also stupid. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, Rico's, uh, he's not doing so hot. He sees this guy mm -hmm. that he, like, hates. He's basically, like, Quan Chi is, like, his Paul. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh. he sees he sees Quan Chi make a grasp for power. And I think he probably thought, like, well, maybe I'll just challenge Quan Chi. And then Quan Chi winds up teaming up with Shang Tsung, that shape-shifting, soul-eating sorcerer that used to be... Shao Kahn's like little wizard buddy and he's like this is too much I'm just gonna take a back seat so Reiko just goes into hiding and is like I'm just gonna let this play out because anytime anyone tries to conquer the realms they fail um his takeaway is probably more anytime someone tries to conquer the realms who isn't me they fail but like when I do it it'll probably work <laughs> yeah for sure um but he just kind of goes into hiding is like I'm just gonna let Quan Chi do his thing see how these this plays out so Quan Chi fails uh at conquering the realms so the Shang Tsung seems very difficult to conquer. Yeah, it's like just don't, just don't try to conquer the realms at this yeah. point. Like find a different way to like get your rocks off. I just feel like there has to be, <laughs> there has to be a more gratifying way to live. Um, That's the no, only thing to do. Yeah, they're just insisting on just stepping on rakes. Um, so. <laughs> so Quan Chi, Shang Tsung, off the table, and Reiko's like, "All right, this is it." This is my chance to strike. This is my chance to conquer the realms. Shang Tsung and Quan Chi defeated most of Earth's greatest champions. They killed them. Shao Kahn, no one knows where that guy is. Shinnok, gone. This is it. And that's when he realizes that the way that Quan Chi died was that he had accidentally helped resurrect uh, the Dragon King Onaga, the guy who had been Outworld's Emperor like when Reiko was growing up many, many years ago. And now Onaga is back, and he wants to conquer the realms. <laughs> what? Wow. What a, what a unique uh, idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Reiko throws up his hands and is like, fuck it. All right. Guess I'm Onaga. Hey, it's Reiko. I don't know if you remember me, but I was your general back in the day. Like, are you looking for a general? Maybe I can be your general. He just gives it. <laughs> he's he's a sort of a, a sad case, this Reiko. He is, and it's only going to get sadder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not rooting for him, by the way. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> I am I am actively rooting against him. You know, I will say, like a lot of the time on the show, I'll start talking about somebody uh, who is objectively a shitty person, like Quan Chi, for example. I had. Kumail Nanjiani on the podcast talking about Quan Chi. And uh, Quan Chi, as you could probably tell from the brief mentions I've had of him, also a complete piece of shit and a conniving oh, yeah. asshole. In a season of Betrayers, uh, he's probably actually the biggest betrayer of 
them all maybe of any character in Mortal Kombat. Um, but because we're in these the perspective of these characters, usually, uh, and it was the case of the Quan Chi episode as well, the guest comes around and is like, I don't know. I mean, I think like if you really <laughs> if you really like think about it, aren't they just serving the one being's will? Or like, you know, they they gave Shinnok their time, like they they were loyal at least. You gotta say that for this person. I don't know that Rago has redeeming qualities like that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's sort of uh, uh, not to make it about me, except that I have some experience with this because I have played some uh, very douchey characters in my time. Mm-hmm. And when there are times certain actors that I will talk to when I will call out those characters as douchebags and the actors will say uh, something like, oh, no, 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 you you can't say that about your own character. You have to you have to believe that your character's motivations are pure otherwise you can't play them and i'm like oh well um i did play uh him and <laughs> i still do think he was a douchebag and um i don't feel like that's accurate so i don't believe in uh just uh rooting for your home team no matter what uh i, yeah. I do believe there's some room to uh, discern whether this individual's motives are pure or not and from the sounds of it uh i should play <laughs> raiko uh because uh, i've i've really honed playing people i hate yeah, I think I think you'd uh, I think you would excel as you have in the past playing playing complete assholes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I do agree with your point. I will say, like in my opinion, a lot of the times people say like everyone's the hero in their own story, like even mm-hmm. the villain, or like even just the guy who's like the prick supporting character. I don't actually agree with that all the time. I think like a lot of the times when people are doing bad things, they know that they're doing bad things and are doing it on purpose. And even if they're justifying it to themselves, there's a a better voice in their head that is saying like, but that isn't true at the same (laughs) time. Like I do, I think most bad people know that they are bad. And if they ever uh, in their heads are justifying it, it's play acting. I a hundred percent. I believe I, I believe in giving people credit for being able to discern good from evil, even if the evil thing gives you the better benefit and hence you're choosing to go after it. Yeah. You have to know, for example, Mitch McConnell knows everything he does is garbage and evil. He knows yes. that, but yeah. he's got his priorities. So that's that's how it goes. Yeah, and I think there's a chance that I mean, I think he's just pure evil but i think that there's a chance in some of these people's heads that they're saying like i'm doing the right thing i think some of them they're just saying in their heads like i don't give a shit this is what i want and i'm only looking out for me i think they are some of them are being that honest with themselves some of them are not but there's they still know oh yeah of course there are psychopaths or sociopaths there are definitely villains who genuinely do not know that they are the bad guy sure um and there are just simple people who just cannot think in a complex enough way about the consequences of their actions. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Reiko knows what he's doing. <laughs> it sounds that way. <laughs> I think Reiko knows what he's doing. Um, but, uh, we're reaching a turning point where things are okay. going to get a lot more complicated for Reiko. Uh, it won't be so straightforward. So Reiko is serving the Dragon King Onaga. Onaga is defeated, of course. And then Shao Kahn reappears on the scene. <laughs> Shao Kahn is like, I'm finally back up to my strength and I'm ready to try conquering realms again. Mm-hmm. And what something we come to learn is that like the whole thing with trying on 
Shao Kahn's helmet. Um, Reiko does lust for Shao Kahn's power. He does lust for power just generally, and he does serve these people with the intention of either protecting himself or finding a way to attain their power. But he genuinely believes in Shao Kahn. If you go back, Reiko grew up in Outworld. Shao Kahn was the god in charge of protecting Outworld, and he decided to become the emperor and start conquering other realms. Now, if you think about the way Shao Kahn probably pitched that, it was likely like, well, we have to protect Outworld by invading other realms and merging them with our realm before they do the same to us. So I think Reiko's fixation specifically with Shao Kahn, he's a genuine believer. And I think that's why every time Shao Kahn shows up and is like, I want to do some conquering, Reiko does instantly say, like put his own goals aside and say like, I will serve you. Because this time when Shao Kahn came back, like he was, he was weakened. He was like, maybe controlling one or two of the groups that lived in Outworld at that time and fighting a losing war against uh, Katana, who by this point had found out that she was kidnapped as a baby and was like trying to conquer Outworld herself to liberate Outworld. So like he did not need to serve Shao Kahn in this case. There was a pretty good chance Shao Kahn was going to lose, but he chose to. He was also disappointed to find at this point that Quan Chi was back and was also serving Shao Kahn. <laughs> So he Why once again had to. That's two birds, one stone. Kind of. I think Reiko genuinely wanted like Shao Kahn to win. At this point, was like had all his eggs in the Shao Kahn basket, and was maybe starting to reach a point where he was like, maybe I'm never going to be a leader myself. And then he sees like Quan Chi there, and he's like, well, this motherfucker is going to like either betray Shao Kahn, uh. or find some way to just put himself in a position of power above me. And, like, if anyone should have a position, like, be vice emperor, it should be me, because I'm the only one who really believes in this guy. So so, so with all the people that, that Raikou's thrown, thrown in on, he has planned or hoped eventually to usurp that power, with the exception of Shao Kahn. Shao yeah. Kahn, he fully, uh, he's like, you know, look, if, if, if anyone can do this better than me, it's Shao Kahn. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think he genuinely looks up to Shao Kahn, which is why he puts on Shao Kahn's helmet. And I think uh, he maybe would hope he was more of an heir apparent than mm-hmm. a usurper once he does eventually come into power. I see. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was kind of his goal with his alliance with Shao Kahn. And I do think it all goes back to just like, yeah, Shao Kahn was kind of the god that he worshipped when he was like a kid. And then someone he got to, like, actually work with in real life. It's like when you worship a celebrity and then you get to work with that person, like, later on in Hollywood. And then you find out they're a shitty person and you try to defend them on Twitter and then you look like an asshole. That's like (laughs) Reiko and Shao Kahn. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. And also just generally, don't do that. Just people. (laughs) No, let let people uh, be many things to many people. Yeah. It's okay that you like them and that you want to root for them, but it's okay Mm -hmm. also that they were probably an asshole to somebody at some point. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So, Reiko's serving Shao Kahn. He's leery of Quan Chi, but he's still just doing his job. He's going out there and he's recruiting for Shao Kahn's army um, for this, like, very minor civil war in Outworld with uh, Katana. And uh, in doing so, he comes across this guy named Taven, Taven, he sees as a very powerful warrior, um, more so than most. And he's like, yeah, this guy would be a pretty good member of Shao Kahn's army. He goes, Taven, do you want to join up? 
And Taven goes, no, I have no interest in joining Shao Kahn's army. I'm on a mission to kill Quan Chi. And Reiko's like, oh, shit, that's cool. Okay. Um, But I am duty-bound to Shao Kahn, and he, as his general, it is my job to protect his inner circle. So I have to fight you. I'm sorry. He fights Taven. (laughs) He gets his ass kicked. And then he... This is also canon. He kind of smiles to himself and goes, well, how ironic that my defeat would mean Quan Chi's death. Seems like a win-win to me. (laughs) I did my best. Nothing I could do. What a cool guy. Um, Right. (laughs) But something actually really important comes out of his interaction with Taven. Uh, He learns from talking to Taven that uh, Taven is actually thousands of years old as well. Obviously, at this point, Reiko must be at least 10,000 years old. Um, Taven's very, very, very old. He's from Edenia, that realm that had been conquered many years ago. And he's actually a demigod. He is the child of a god and a human, the god who's protecting Edenia and a human. And he has been uh, cryogenically frozen until now, um, at which point he has been unfrozen to fulfill a prophecy. Uh, the, The balance of all of the realms is completely out of whack. There are too many power players... Too many people have gained power through too much uh, illicit occult magic. Um, Good, evil, it's all out of balance. And so, uh, because of some magic done many, many years ago, a prophecy has uh, finally become a reality in which a a pyramid is going to rise in Edenia called the Pyramid of Argus. And a giant uh, fire being named Blaze is going to appear at the top of this pyramid. And as prophecy foretells, hell yeah, dude. (laughs) Blaze is fucking chill, dude. Um, (laughs) He's a fire thing named Blaze. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Like the pizza chain. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yes, a very serious ancient being named Blaze. So Uh uh, as prophecy is foretold, Blaze is going to rise to the top of this pyramid. All of the warriors of light, all of the warriors of darkness are going to come and fight at the base of this pyramid. Only one will make it to the top. They will fight Blaze, and whoever defeats Blaze will become the one being themselves. They will absorb the full power of the one being. It's some kind of weird backdoor magic that a god did many years ago. These are high stakes, then. Really high stakes. So Taven, for some reason, shares that information with uh, Rico. They never say specifically that Taven tells him this, but I literally can't think of any other way that he would find out. So Reiko finds out about this and is like, oh shit, this could actually be my shot at the power that I've wanted all this time. I so happen to encounter this Taven guy. That's more than luck. This is it. This is Reiko's time to shine. And so he goes to the Battle of Armageddon. He fights alongside the forces of darkness he makes a run for that pyramid and gets his head smashed in by a big hammer and dies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but. <laughs> oh, thank, thank goodness. This is not the end of Reiko's story. No, no. Because it was Shao Kahn that made it to the top of that pyramid. And Shao Kahn who defeated Blaze. And Shao Kahn, who uh, started to take on the power of the one being. But Raiden, the god who 
was in charge of protecting Earthrealm, the god who had led Earth's forces into victory so many times before to stop evil people like Shao Kahn. Raiden got to the top of the pyramid as well and tried to stop Shao Kahn from absorbing the one being's power. He wasn't able to. Shao Kahn was about to smash his head with his giant uh, warhammer. Um, and in the three seconds before the warhammer came down and splashed uh, Raiden's brains all over this pyramid, Raiden, in a last-ditch effort, sent a message back in time to his younger self. <laughs> a message that would surely arm his younger self with the knowledge that he would need to know exactly what to do to stop these events from occurring. And that message was, he must win. Wait, <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> the message yeah. that he, in these, this final moment, mm -hmm. he travels back in time to his younger self yeah. and imparts to him, imparts mm -hmm. uh, on him, in him, I don't remember, yeah. Gives him the the knowledge that the 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 answer to this moment is he must win. Yeah, it wasn't and like the a pronoun, name. The pronoun he in this uh, instance yep. narrows who, it down. Who's, who's, who's to to whom? <laughs> the truth is that it was referring to Shao Kahn. That if he had let Shao Kahn win, um, in in an invasion of Earthrealm, that was like kind of hazy as far as whether it was falling Elder God Law. That's when the Elder Gods would finally step in and stop Shao Kahn. So letting him win was the way to defeat him. Um, but yeah, he didn't say Shao Kahn must win for some reason, even though it was like one syllable longer. He just said he must win. So he only <laughs> narrowed it down to 49% of the people living in the world. <laughs> right, and, right. And, uh, and so what this did was it created a new timeline in which Raiden was attempting to decode this message. And so events played out in a familiar way, but slightly different butterfly effect style oh, yeah. from what we uh, know. And uh, that, that is when Reiko finally was on the path to attaining all the power he had ever dreamt of having. So... <laughs> Let's rewind Reiko's story one more time. Reiko, wait. Oh, God. But Reiko's <laughs> dead at this point. His head's Reiko's been dead. smashed in. Right, but we're but going back in time, baby. We're going to a new timeline. We've we're going all the off. way back to Mortal Kombat 1. Raiden. Oh, Christ almighty. Raiden is at the... the Tenth tournament against Outworld that'll decide whether or not Earthrealm uh, is defeated by Shao Kahn. He mm -hmm. hears the phrase "he must win" in his head, and he's like, "Huh, what does that mean? I got it. I got to do some stuff." Um, and it uh, creates a new timeline. Uh, and so here's here's what happens for Reiko in this timeline. <laughs> um. We catch up with Reiko during the time that he's serving Shao Kahn, helping to conquer the realms. Uh, he's fighting alongside Shao Kahn's other generals, including this guy named Kotal Khan. Or, sorry, I guess at this point he's just named Kotal. Um, Kotal is an Ashtek warrior. It's kind of Aztec, but it's a fantasy race. It's not the same as the Aztec people. They're just vaguely familiar. And in an ancient aliens kind of way, it's because they had visited the 
ancient Aztec people many years ago. Um, sure. Don't worry about it. So Thank he's, you. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> serving alongside other generals, like this guy, Kotal, whose life will also be changed drastically because of the he must win message. Um, and one day, while serving Shao Kahn, while conquering uh, this realm for these people called the, like, Koreans, I think. doesn't really matter. I don't even know what they are. There's some kind of, like, Wonder Woman bug people, I think. Um, sure. He's, he's conquering their kingdom. They've won their ten tournaments. They're just ravaging uh, the kingdom and, and enslaving whoever they can and bringing them over to Outworld. And that's when Reiko comes across this statue that will not fall and cannot be destroyed in the ruins of this kingdom. And the statue starts singing to Reiko in a voice that only he can hear. And the voice says, Reiko's blood reigns. Reiko's blood reigns. And all of a sudden, this idea is incepted into Reiko's head at a time when he was otherwise serving mindlessly Shao Kahn that he is destined for greatness and will one day reign. And so he returns to Shao Kahn's palace, uh, praised for a job well done. In fact, Shao Kahn is like, you are the most ruthless general I have. Um, you're the you're the best soldier I, I have. You're my best servant. And Reiko is like, everything's falling into place. The statue is right. I'm the heir apparent. I will be the next leader in line after Shao Kahn. Just, just a quick point of, clar- of clarification, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm getting this story orally. Um, when it, when he said Reiko's blood reigns, mm-hmm. it was R E I G N S. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. I see. It will it will rain over people, not it will rain from the sky. Understood now. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Although there will be a, a blood rain uh, coming up. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of blood is, is about to get spilled. Um, so, so, like in the previous timeline, and ultimately because of the he must win message, Shao Kahn falls. Long before the prophecy and the pyramid and everything happens, Shao Kahn falls. Um, and like in the other timeline... With Shao Kahn off the table, Shinnok is prepared to reign, to come out of the nether realm and uh, take over. Um, Reiko sees all of this happening. Specifically, he's like hiding behind a column and sees like Quan Chi talking to like Shinnok about how it's like time to burst out and start doing bad guy shit. Um, and so what he overhears is that Shinnok says, there will be no soldiers, only slaves. And Reiko has to think about this. He's like, I'm supposed to be in charge. But someone that I cannot defeat in single combat is about to take over. And he's not going to make me a general. He's going to make me a slave. Um, And Reiko becomes extremely depressed about this because all he wants now is terrain. He's obsessed with the idea. And he goes into a forest prepared to kill himself because he he can no longer go back to serving. Now that he knows that he deserves to reign and he has no belief in the prophecy because he sees no way that he could defeat Shinnok. He doesn't even want to spend a day as somebody's slave. He doesn't want to wait it out. So he's going to just kill himself. Okay. Um, this prophecy's really gotten in his head, the whole Rico's Blood Reigns thing. Really, really shook him up. Yeah. Um, and while he's in the forest, about to run himself through with a sword, he's approached by uh, a guy who, I want to try to describe him as best I can, uh, has ripped off half of his own skin, is wearing rags, um, from like the uh, like above the bridge of his nose up, and like the tops of his cheeks, he's got like a normal human face. Everything under that's just bone. Um, this is a guy who's fucked himself up real bad, and that's because he is from a place called the Chaos Realm, 
Um, my favorite realm of all. It is just a realm where people live for chaos. You know, they say like goodbye instead of hello. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, they like to eat food that tastes bad. Um, oh, cool realm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they think we shouldn't defund the police. Yeah, this, and <laughs> this is the exact kind of realm, like the very unimaginative people, unimaginative people that voted for Trump were picturing. Yes. They were like, uh, no, I don't want a politician in office. I want yeah. someone who's not a politician because that'll yeah. really show everyone how it works. It's strange because those are the same people that would also fit in in the order realm where everyone just worships order and refuses to question any kinds of systems uh-huh. and uh, likes getting brutalized by the police because it means that the right people are in charge. Exactly. It's so, uh, did you ever watch did you ever watch <laughs> you can't do that on television? Yes. Uh, they did this. There was always like this. Uh, the uh, I can't remember what they called it. it. Was like the opposite day, or is it's opposite day? Yeah. And they would it, basically, if you ever answered a question the correct way, not in the opposite way, you got slimed. So you had to really yeah. uh, uh, pay. It's, it really sounds exactly like the chaos. Right? Do you want? Do you want some good food? No, I want bad food. No okay. shit in my mouth. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it's so creative. Yeah. Uh, I do genuinely love the chaos. It was like the fifth game where they were like, we got to throw a couple more realms in there. Chaos realm, order realm. They have been at war. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Done. (laughs) It rules. Um, Uh. So this guy shows up. His name is Havoc. He is known as the chaos cleric. He lives for chaos. He shows up and says to Reiko, I know that your blood is special. You will one day reign. Um, if you really want to be in charge, what you need is to embrace blood magic. And Reiko's like, blood magic? Isn't that the most, like, corrupt and dangerous magic of all? And Havoc's like, yeah, bitch, and it rules. And so he stabs Reiko with a Kamidogu dagger. Wait a minute. Whoa. Those are the daggers that cut up the, the, the guy, the main guy, into a million pieces. You get an A+. Plus. They sure they are. They sure are rich. <laughs> Very dangerous. Shouldn't be uh-huh. in the hands of people. What does it? What does it mean for a, a blade that had once cut God into a million pieces to be used by a glint in God's eye to cut another glint in God's eye? Weird, bad shit happens. It gets twisted. <laughs> Creation and existence itself gets all mangled and fucked up. So he cuts Reiko, and Reiko feels a power he has never felt in his life. He's like, ah, this rules. I love blood magic. Uh, Reiko's hooked. And so he and Havoc make uh, a blood pact and begin to plan Reiko's reign with Havoc as sort of his like advisor, um, the chaos cleric. And so Reiko just waits it out. He waits for Shinnok to fall in this timeline, confident that Shinnok one day will. Um, And he watches as a civil war erupts in Outworld in which Melina, remember her? She was the, the bad clone of Katana. Oh, yeah. With Giant mouth full mouth. of fangs, yeah. completely yep. insane. Yeah. She uh, says, I deserve to be in charge of Outworld now that Shao Kahn is gone because I'm his daughter. I'm his only real daughter who was born because of him. She goes into like a civil war against one of Shao Kahn's generals, Kotal, the one I mentioned earlier, who's kind of like a good dude. He wants like unity and peace in Outworld, and so they obviously have very opposing ways of seeing how one would rule, and 
They get into a civil war, and that's when Reiko starts his plan to take over. He seduces Melina and starts sleeping with her um, and becomes her closest confidant and advisor, as well as her general. Um, and he starts moving chess pieces around. He, uh, having served alongside Kotal, he knows all of Kotal's weaknesses. And so he gives her the information that she needs to send another one of their allies, Goro, the four-armed dragon guy. You might recognize him. He's in the first movie. He was like the first boss in the first Mortal Kombat game. He's a pretty popular, well-known character. Uh, he sends him to murder Kotal's dad, who Kotal loves. He, like, rips his arms off and, like, beats him to death with them. <laughs> and, like, sends his head back to Kotal. So, like, Kotal's all shaken up. Um... He also knows at this point that Kotal has also come into possession of one of the Kamidogu daggers because it's just like in the outworld, like treasury. They're all kind of spread out among the realms. It's like a, just an important artifact. There are like eight of them, I think. And so he like basically bullies Kotal into using blood magic, which makes him stronger for a moment, but then weakens him, which allows him to have Kotal defeated on the battlefield. Then he convinces Melina that Goro will betray her so that he will be the most important soldier in melina's life so she betrays goro he's just moving chess pieces around like strengthening melina in order to defeat her foes then weakening melina so that well he he's learned from a history her. of trying to strike quickly that a little bit of patience might pay off oh yeah it seems like this is a period of uh of again un- uncommon patience for reiko that 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 Reiko, whatever the fuck his name is, yeah. uh, that that he that he seems to have slowed down a little, and he's really kind of taken everything in, knowing what his his end is going to be. Mm-hmm. He's willing now. I mean, he wasn't willing to be a slave, even knowing that this was supposed to be the ending. But now he's got a little bit of potency, and he's willing to kind of ride this out, let it play out a little bit, while throwing a few switches and levers along the way to make sure it goes the right direction. Yeah, I think the difference between previous timeline Reiko and current timeline Reiko where he's like so much more successful is that uh he just needed someone to believe in him (laughs) you know he just needed a havoc in his corner he just needed a guy who had ripped half his face skin off to say I trust you and my opinion's valid I like what this guy has to say and he seems to be on the right path yeah he's foaming at the mouth nuts but (laughs) he believes in me um you know I think that's probably what fuels a lot of Republican senators too so yeah, <laughs> Havoc. Uh, <laughs> Havoc comes to Reiko one day and says, "You're doing very well. All the pieces are falling into place. There's one step left. Now it's time for us to collect all of the Kamidogu daggers, because in order for you to take the power that you need, you're going to have to become a blood god of the realms. With all of the Kamidogu daggers and no one left to oppose you, you will have unlimited blood magic." and be able to conquer all. So Reiko uh, heads to Earthrealm, where he knows one of the Kamidogu daggers has been placed in the hands of just like this regular soldier who lives in the Midwest on a farm named Jax. (laughs) Uh, Uh Jax is like an old friend of Raiden and an ally of Raiden's because he had fought in one of the Mortal Kombat tournaments. So Raiden was like, something's going on with the Kamidogu daggers. I've seen a lot of blood magic going on lately. That's unusual. So I'm going to give you one of these daggers to protect. And Jax was like, really? You want me to keep it like just in my house, like in my gun safe? And Raiden was like, yep, it's good enough for me. So, <laughs> so Reiko shows up at this guy's farm and is like, give me the dagger. And Jax is like, no. So he beats the shit out of Jax, throws him through a wall, threatens to murder his wife, and just takes the dagger and leaves. 
Cool guy. Cool, normal guy. Uh, <laughs> and Rico shows back up with to Havoc and is like, cool, I got one more dagger. And Havoc says, uh, and he's actually getting kind of impatient. He's like, how long is it going to take to get the rest of these? And Havoc's like, well, good news, actually. I just found out that Raiden already collected the rest of them. He's on to us. So we really just need to take them from Raiden. I'll take care of it. Why don't you head back to our secret base um, on an island called Shang Tsung's Island because it was created by Shang Tsung. Wait, so Havoc um, said he'll take care of it? Yeah, Havoc's like, I'll take okay. care of Raiden. Uh, Reiko, why don't you head back to our secret hideout? Um, and that's where we will finish our grand mission to defeat the realms. Um, but once at the secret hideout, he is assaulted by um, people who oppose Molina's reign. They've, they're like, oh, Reiko, one of our greatest generals went to like Shang Tsung's Island. Uh, let's attack. So it's like some of Kotal's soldiers um, and then also some of Earth's special forces soldiers who are like interdimensional cops who have thrown their weight behind Kotal because they're like, well, if he takes over Outworld, he probably won't want to conquer Earthrealm. He seems pretty focused on like peace. So a huge army comes to the island and Reiko's like, I'm going to have to take them all on myself. Um, so... I'm going to cut myself with this Kamidogu dagger and use blood magic to defeat them. Reiko does exactly that. Super powerful. He takes down all of these soldiers, takes down these armies. Um, he starts mind controlling some of them with blood magic to make them fight amongst themselves. Uh, and eventually, Kotal himself shows up and he's fighting Kotal Khan. Khan being the title that you take when you try to take over Outworld. Um, and then Melina shows up, and Reiko thinks she's here to fight with him, but she finds out that he had planned on betraying her. So now Reiko's alone fighting uh, Kotal Khan and his army and Melina and her army, and it's not looking so hot. In fact, uh, Melina and Kotal together cut off Reiko's head and legs and disembowel him. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Got to go back in time. From that, yeah. Well, you'd think. Wait, that's there's right. a twist. <laughs> that's, uh, that's when Havoc returns with a Raiden that he has also corrupted with blood magic, which is something we've established. You can mind control people with blood magic stuff. So Havoc and Raiden show up, and with the power of Raiden at his disposal, Havoc is able to take down everybody on the battlefield. Both of the armies, Kotal Khan, Melina, they're all disabled by Raiden and this blood magic. They see Raiden's dismantled body lying on the ground on the beach, and Havoc is like, all right, well, let's take him down to the Flesh Pits, which is uh, a room on this island where we can uh, resurrect people from the dead by putting them in like this little chamber. Uh, that's made up of soul magic. Specifically, it's like a little soul nato chamber. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Where they're going to reassemble uh, Reiko. I think they just kind of chuck all the body parts in there and they just kind of come together on their own. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's like a Brundlefly kind of situation. Ah, <laughs> uh, gross. Yeah. I can't think of Brundlefly without thinking of how gross it is. Yeah, it's super gross. I really do, I really do love the fly, though. It's so good. <laughs> it is. Um, so <laughs> Havoc and Blood Magic Raiden manage to, uh, heal up Reiko, uh, and 
once they do so, they fully restore him and, in fact, empower him by feeding him champion blood, also known as blood of the champions, which is, uh, as you may guess, the blood of champions. Uh-huh. Um, because at this point, they have Melina, they have Kotal Khan, they have a lot of like powerful figures in the world of Mortal Kombat who at one point or another have been chosen as warriors in Mortal Kombat tournaments. And um, that just makes their blood a little better. So he he gobbles it up out of a goblet. He drinks some warrior blood. Sure. And uh, at the same time, Havoc and Blood Magic Raiden stab him with all of the Kamidogu daggers. This is the ritual that they've been waiting for. And uh, Reiko becomes a blood god. He becomes unbelievably powerful. Uh, p- power beyond imagination surges through his veins. And finally, he becomes what he has always wanted to be. Uh, the only person powerful enough to conquer all of the realms. Um, But as soon as he becomes the blood god, he feels a hunger, a hunger he has never felt before. He needs blood. He needs to feed, to continue to use blood magic. And Havoc says, no problem, my dude. What do you think these armies are for? And so he brings Havoc 100, sorry, Havoc brings Reiko 100 soldiers from Kotokan and Molina's armies, and Reiko slaughters them and guzzles their blood until it's literally raining blood in the room and he's swimming in it. <laughs> um, and Reiko feels better for a moment, but then the hunger's back. And so Reiko uh, grabs Havoc by the throat and is like, I'm starving. What's going on? And he's like, I knew that I would feel this power, but I didn't know that I would feel this pain. And Havoc starts laughing. Oh, no. Havoc. Oh, shit. (laughs) Reiko feels so much agony that he starts scratching at his body. He rips into his own uh, torso he cracks his rib cage open and starts ripping his guts out. He's like, what's happening to me? Oh, I'm supposed to be the blood god. His face starts melting. Uh, and Havoc says to Reiko, you were never going to be a god. I put that stupid message in that statue. I am the one who's convinced oh, you Havoc, that you were going you to be shit. a leader. I'm the one who told you what to do to manipulate people. And Reiko says, why? To what end? And Havoc says, you were only ever a vessel. You were only ever meant to carry a seed. And he smashes what's left of Reiko's skull and reaches into his brain and produces what all of this blood magic was really all about. The amulet that would eventually free Shinnok from the nether realm. Reiko wasted all of this time simply being the tool that in this timeline yep in this timeline would allow shinnok who we have felt no personal attachment to right to rain and that's the end of reiko's story (laughs) (laughs) oh wow so it's a, it's really it's a tragedy for Reiko. There's no mm-hmm. um there's no uh, he he was just lied to and used yep. the entire time. It's the story of uh it's the story of be careful what you wish for. He spent That's right. 
he spent one lifetime wishing to lead and watching as dozens of people did it before him, made mistakes, and all of them inevitably failed until he died in obscurity. Then, in a, in a new life, he got a second chance to have what he always wanted. And when he got it, he realized it was all superficial because every uh, ruler is just another step on the ladder for another ruler to come after. And he just had this little pebble in his brain, that, and that's all they cared about. It wasn't even a pebble, to be honest. It was a big fucking amulet. I don't know how it got in there. <laughs> well, it I'm didn't talking make like, a lot of size It was sense. like the size of a quarter pounder. Oh, wow. From McDonald's. That's, that's oh, oh, okay, thank you. To be clear, maybe more that like did, a big and tasty because it was kind of wide. I don't know if they still sell those. I haven't had, <laughs> been to McDonald's in years. I don't know. <laughs> big and tasty, that was, that was big. They had the Angus burger for a while. They've really oh, yeah. run, run the gamut. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Reiko, Reiko was just, uh, he was just used. He was a victim of his greed. He, uh, he truly was a, a giant douchebag and he got exactly what he had coming to him. I hate mm-hmm. Reiko. Yeah. He sucks. He sucks. He sucks. I feel like what the one thing that he provides us is a pretty great philosophical lesson just about the nature of, uh, conquerors and dictators in general, which is like, you can conquer and you'll have your time. It could be the rest of your life. It could be decades. You could die of old age. It could be a or minute. Could be you could be assassinated. As it, was it could be seconds. Reiko. But at the end of the day, yeah, you're just another step in the ladder for somebody just like you. Reiko was, and your was story supreme doesn't leader matter. for the entire duration of one meal comprised yes. of, a, of 100 soldiers. Right. Who he kind of just hoovered up. <laughs> it wasn't even a long you, meal. It wasn't even many but, courses. You you seem to now. Are there are there other mythologies into which like 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 say Marvel or whatever? Are there yeah. other sort of worlds into which you've invested like this or not one? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I was just going to ask because I wondered, as someone who doesn't, I never really got into like the lore of fantasy stories or things. But I am. I did just rewatch all the the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, movies with my kids. Are they good? And um, we we, I I see some echoes. I hear some echoes in this Mortal Kombat story. Yeah, and I'm not suggesting that one is derivative of the other. I'm I'm just no, asking. No, I would is say this, objectively, is Marvel is. A, yeah, is, they're, they're definitely ripping off Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Stanley yeah. was ripping him off the whole time. Notoriously, uh, but, but is that a common? You know, like the hero's journey. Is it mm-hmm. a common archetypal thing of this? Uh, assemblage of things has been broken up and we have to go seek out whether it's the infinity stones or the daggers or whatever we have to seek them and get them together and when we do shit's going to go down is that that, mm. that seems like it must be a common sort of uh framework yeah. for a story yeah i guess i am curious what the actual first uh first time that was used was i wouldn't be surprised if it came out of like i could see it coming out of chinese mythology it definitely sure. seems more of Eastern mythology, the idea of like powerful mythical weapons that could be collected for a purpose, but I could just be going to the Eastern mythology that I'm more of a fan of. Um, but yeah, it definitely is like a trope and yeah. becomes more and more so a trope as time, as time passes. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like when the... 
the Kamidogu dagger collect collecting idea was in the midst of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This was probably around 2013, 14, oh, so well, 2014, 15 even. It's a more recent uh, sort of arm of the story. Yeah, yeah. This was the comics for Mortal Kombat 10. Is that whole Reiko arc. He was like the the thing. Yeah. He sucks, man. I hate Reiko. Yeah, he's the worst. Yeah. And he's only grown to look dumber and dumber as time passed. His character design went from like weird kind of like, yeah, Reed Richards, Mike Brady, Normcore dad type in like just a vest to looking like a Shao Kahn cosplayer. Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's always got the spawn eyes. That's like the one thing. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very eager to find some pictures of Reiko. I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to find him later. I think you'll enjoy it. I can't wait. <laughs> Well, uh, before we wrap things up, you got any final thoughts on, on our man Reiko other than, wow, that guy really sucks? Oh, gosh, no. I, I think it's a pretty straightforward uh, uh, reaction. I <laughs> um, I didn't root for him at any point in the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he yeah. got a second timeline, I felt it was uh, unfair uh, that there are other beings who probably could have earned a second timeline, and this uh, piece of shit got one and uh, got his comeuppance. So in a way, yeah. by the end, I was happy to hear he got a second timeline just so he could go through hell. Uh, but otherwise, no, I, uh, I, uh, I don't. I never rooted for him. And uh, I do hope that my my ex friend Paul is a listener uh, yeah. because I I think that that there are some messages in here for him as well. Yeah, Paul, you hear that? You're a little Reiko ass bitch. <laughs> Uh, that's true. Uh, God, it's it's funny how those little stories from how I don't know that's been that's a long time ago. I was probably thirteen. Uh, they they like you said those wounds. I laugh about it. I can laugh about it, but it, there there is mm-hmm. definitely still a a real fog in my in my uh, chest, uh, an emotional fog about oh yeah about Paul and and Heather and and so many others who came after them and. I mean, that on the last episode, I talked about a time in middle school that a girl I had a crush on knew I had a crush on her, but we were still like good friends. Uh, totally broke my heart by betraying me with like a kid that I, he wasn't really my friend, but like just a kid I knew in middle school. So yeah, that's the time. That's the time when it really sticks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I had yeah. worse stuff, objectively, definitively worse stuff happened to me after that. And uh, I couldn't recall those things to save my life but but those those notes i found that day uh on my desk in seventh grade those those have stuck i definitely had worse betrayals after middle school but that was the one that came to mind immediately when i started talking about it in the last episode and i also had like an actually pretty good middle school experience um and still, that's the first thing I think of when I think about middle school. <laughs> yeah, those those things. That was like one that, of like only a couple of really bad things that happened to me during middle school. That and like nine eleven. Oh God. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I was uh, that. <clears throat> that would be on the list if if nine eleven had happened when I was in middle school, and it happened yeah, yeah. far after I was in middle school. <laughs> uh, that would that would be on my list. Yeah. Yeah. No seventh grade. I'll never forget coming into class and oh, there it was. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was just remembering today, by the way, uh, and I don't remember why. Oh, somebody on Twitter had said something about 
something they remembered about September 10th, 2001. The thing I remember about September 9th, 2001, this is, by the way, uh, very cutoutable. None of your listeners could care less about this than than you will, possibly. Um, But I uh, had, on on September 8th, I shaved my head. I was in graduate school. I had just started graduate school. And I shaved my head on September 8th because they told us, uh, it was the beginning of our our three-year acting program, and they said... um, You'll never be in control of your hair again. If if you if you start working, you'll never be in control of your hair again. So if you want to do something, do it now. So I shaved my head. Then on the ninth, I went to see the Cleveland Browns lose to the Seattle Seahawks nine to six, all field goals, and I got horrific sunburn on the top of my head because I didn't put any sunscreen or sunblock on my head and didn't wear a hat. And then uh, two days later, with with the uh, flaking skin. Uh, raining down onto my shoulders, nine eleven happened. That's that's what I remember. Fuck. Yeah, and you're and you probably also thought to yourself, like it's probably best that I'm not in charge of my hair from now on. That's correct. Yeah, because now we see what happens when I shake yeah. my head. <laughs> great, great. Well, with that said, Rich, there's one segment left on the show, and I call that segment "Choose Your Destiny." It's a segment of the show where I ask you, now that you know about these many realms, these many types of creatures, these alliances, these people in the world of Mortal Kombat, if you were to exist in the world of Mortal Kombat, who would you be? Who is Rich Summer in the world of MK? Oh, I'm uh, definitely one of the soldiers who got uh, eaten at the end. That's really, I don't have a, <laughs> I'm never. like one of those guys. <laughs> my character will never have a name. My character will definitely be not even at the front of a line. I'll be partway down. I will see it and go, shit, I think he's going to eat. I think he's going to eat every one of us. Uh, like there are a hundred <laughs> of us here and I think he's going to, and I'm going to see him eat probably 25, 30 people before he gets to me. Sure. And I might say something, you know, smart alecky, like do, uh, Jesus, like still, still hungry or something like really not even smart. And then uh, he'll eat me, knowing knowing that he's just yeah. gonna eat everybody else in the room. Hey, this I, guy can eat! Oh, <laughs> wow! Uh, yeah, the, uh, I hate when waiters uh, or, or waitresses or, or servers, I guess, uh, say at a restaurant when you've eaten uh, everything on your plate, and they come by and they go, "Oh, uh, wasn't good, I guess, huh?" Or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, I would say something like that. I would, uh, something really uh, cliched. <laughs> And annoying to to yeah. Reiko before he consumes our, me. Our blood must taste pretty shitty, I guess. <laughs> Just kidding. He's a fucking pig. And then, yeah, you get absorbed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Shit. Well, that's Sorry. sad, but I see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good answer. Uh, Rich, thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope that uh, having come in with no expectations, I hope it met them. It exceeded my uh, absolutely <laughs> absent expectations, I promise you. Thank you for having me. Of course. And uh, if people want more summer in their lives, which of course they do, where can they find it? Well, I'm temporarily back on Twitter. I had left for a very long time, and then uh, this pandemic happened, and I got back on and have just been uh, tweeting up a storm. So that's at Rich Summer, S-O-M-M-E-R. And uh, beyond that, Ben, uh Gosh. No, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only really thing I'm doing. Stuff right now, huh? <laughs> yeah, can't work. So, just tweeting. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you got you're a voice actor too, so I feel like you were in Half Life, Alex, right? I was, was scoping out yes. the old M- MDB. Um, 
So, you know, they're still making video games. They're still making cartoons. Uh, that's true. Start working I did on those silly a, voices. I did do, a, from this very closet next to me, I, I did a, a voice for, it's called Dota 2, uh, which is a oh, yeah. top-down fighting game. That was very it's fun. A MOBA? Uh, so, uh, MOBA? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. Um, I don't... Uh, the, the I've never played video, it. I don't understand that genre. I don't know what it means. I've played a lot of Mario games. That's about yes. the extent of my understanding of video games. Uh, except I'm going to try... Per your prediction, I think I'm going to open up Mortal Kombat 11 today. Just start the story mode. I feel like you, now you have so much context. Oh, yeah. So much. And and the plot of that game in particular is all about remixing the timelines and uh, and ultimately like making a new one. So I feel like you won't really be lost, even though it's the 11th game. Like You'll have all the context you need. Even though I'm seeing it from Reiko's perspective. Uh, yeah, who's I'm not in the game at all. Like, <laughs> not even for a half second. Has no appearance. I'm not glad one. of it. He's the worst. Yeah. He is. He is. I will say that, like, as far as the future for Reiko goes, I don't want to spoil the end of Mortal Kombat 11 for you, but it is somewhat wide open. That said, based on who would be architecting that future, I don't think Reiko's ever coming back. I think he's done. Fine by me. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, as I said before, thanks again, Rich, for joining the show. Thank you, audience, for listening. And as always, finish him. <laughs>